Town Hall Academy, episode 61. By understanding what the numbers are that you need to break even, it's definitely a number you want to know. You'll know if you're digging a hole. Welcome, automotive aftermarketers, to a Remarkable Results Radio Town Hall Academy. Listen to learn just one thing from today's episode on your journey to remarkable results. Welcome, automotive aftermarket professionals, to the Town Hall Academy, Episode 61, with an important discussion on break-even, knowing your daily sales nut. Carm Capriato here, thanking Jasper Engines and Transmissions for their support of the Town Hall Academy. Need a diesel engine? Performance and reliability. Now, that's what Jasper's remanufactured diesel engines provide mile after mile. Their running completed engines are dynamometer tested with horsepower and torque ratings recorded. There's a nationwide warranty included, too. Talk about dependable service. Have you had a chance to listen to the Town Hall Academy archives? Well, all you need to do is scroll through your podcast subscriptions and find all the episodes that start with THA. Or go to remarkableresults.biz slash academy. You'll be able to review every episode and also listen there. Joining me in this academy on Knowing Your Break Even is John Francis from Francis Automotive Services, Westchester, PA, and an elite worldwide business coach, And John Cooper, partner at ECP Auto Repair and Service in Cayuga Falls, Ohio. And to round out this panel, Rick White, president and lead coach for 180Biz. Today's podcast has a sister video. Now find it on my YouTube channel or on my website on the show notes page at remarkableresults.biz slash A061. Also on the show notes page, find my guests' extended bios, previous episodes that they've been featured on, and the key talking points so you do not have to take notes. Also on that page, you'll find the link to download the break-even spreadsheet that was referenced by John Francis as his gift to you. Now join John Francis, John Cooper, and Rick White as we talk break-even and why it's so important to know it and to beat it. And as with all Academy discussions, this forum goes beyond the topic at hand. A great many thoughts and ideas to ponder as you work toward improving your company's profitability. I want to talk about why we need to know it, the reasons behind break-even, what the components of break-even, and, of course, how to do it. And John Francis shared a great little break-even sheet. And, John, I do want to put that up on the screen a little later as we go through the components of it. So let me, let's me let go around the room, and I think it's important from each of your perspectives. John, a successful businessman, uh, both Johns, and Rick as a business coach and former shop owner, why is break-even important? John Francis, I'll go to you first. Why isn't it important? It's, it's, it's very important. Uh, if you don't know your break-even, how do you know what it costs to open the place up in the morning? And uh, I'm surprised how many people that, that still don't know what that number is or how to do it. And the components that go into it and how easily it can be changed by a little hard work. Yeah. And in, in when we show that, uh, when we talk about the components and the what part of break even, I think it, I think the ball is going to go off for an awful lot of people. And, and I w- wish we had a, a chance uh, to raise hands and say to how many out there that are doing a break even analysis. Back in the day, my dad always taught me, son, when you put the key in the door. When you put the key in the door, you know what your challenge is just to break even. Not to make any money, but just to break even. 
Can we rally the troops to do more than that number? And what are we doing each and every day to grow our sales so that uh, it eclipses that break-even point? John Cooper, um, you've been doing break-even. What value do you see in it? The value I see in it is uh, when when I do the break-evens for the month, I need to know what I need to make on a day-to-day basis. So I, I know what my expense is, my fixed expense is. I have a goal for a daily goal that I set of how much sales we need to have for that day. But I try to raise a, the bar a little bit so I'd have a little bit of extra money to prepare myself for next month. Let me ask you a question, John Cooper. Does your team know and value and appreciate the, that number every day? And, I, and if they do, are you guys going to a certain section of your computer and finding out where you, where you stand? Uh, we have weekly meetings on them, and uh, so yes, they do know it. Uh, they know the, um, the break-even uh, number for the month. They need to know, or they do know, <laughs> how much we need to make that day, what the sales need to be, and uh, I keep the whole team involved in how much money the place needs on a day-to-day basis to survive for with that one month. Tell me about um, a, a tiny little small celebration that may happen by, oh, 11 o'clock when you hit break even. I mean, does something like that ever happen? Not so much as celebrations, but we do award the guys for anything above the uh, break even number. So they know if we, you know, hit the break even or if we go over it, you know, it's either like a pizza party or we'll buy them a tool for, you know, something they need or, you know, we award them for helping us get to break-even number plus going over our goal. Got yeah. it. And and is that the break-even for the month, or are you doing this on a daily basis? This is on a week. That's on a weekly basis. A weekly break-even. So there's some yes. rewards for, for hitting that number. So you're Absolutely. you're doing a compounding effect each and every day to, mm-hmm. to continue to see. That's great. And when we show the break-even form and we get into the components of it, I, I think everyone's going to realize that everyone has a chance to actually affect that number in there. Oh, yeah. Uh, and thanks for that, John. Good stuff, uh, uh, Rick. Uh, so why is break-even so important? Because most of us that come into this industry are technicians and we're activity-driven. And we think fixing cars is going, you know, we fix more cars, we'll be more profitable. And it, it, it actually diminishes. The more cars you try to squeeze into a day, your numbers actually drop. By understanding what the numbers are that you need to break even, it's definitely a number you want to know so that if you're, you'll know if you're digging a hole. Bingo. That's it. Right? Because the first rule in hole digging is when you realize you're digging the hole is stop. Knowing when to stop. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. Yeah. Knowing when to stop. Knowing when to stop. And I guess the component, the, the biggest thing is, uh, you know, let's let's do break even. This is great. Um, this this academy is going to help us. We're going to see the components of it and how it works. And we got to get to break even because we're not making any money. Mm, really, John Francis, that's just barely making it. And if you don't do break even, you can almost guarantee a loss for the day, right? Well, that's true. And I, I think just to add to what John Cooper, because uh, John does the, the numbers at his company and, and Nate uh, is his partner and he handles the service desk. So uh, they, they award guys when they hit over their sales goal for the week uh break even they go by but they're hitting the big sales goals numbers right john yes yeah Mm. let me go back to john cooper sales goals are designed to be a profitable goal right 
Uh, the answer is yes. Got it. So you got a sales goal now. J- John Francis, you are John Cooper's coach. Am I right? That's yes. correct. Mm-hmm. My, my first client. My first coach. <laughs> <laughs> Over four years and counting. You know. Yes. Great. Glad to hear it. So you set up a sales goal. Was it something you worked on together in order to, was it a net profit goal that you created the sales goal against? What I want to say is John actually showed me the, the true light of the break-even number, the true light of our the, the, the profits, because it, it, before we met John there, we was working actually six days a week, 12-hour days, and it was like the, the digging the hole part, that's what we were doing. But see, then John explained to me what we need to do, what we need to start calculating and watching on a day-to-day base, or actually a, a week-to-week base. And um, I can't remember what the question was, but anyways, you know, John is the one that showed me yeah, setting the sales goals. You know, yeah, the important the importance of it. Right? Can I get on my soapbox for a minute? What John Cooper just said was so powerful. Uh, you know, I. I've learned in the 300 plus episodes that I've done that the most successful shop owners have have had a business coach. And just like John Cooper said, man, we were working six twelves and we were, you know, it was a hurricane, a tornado inside the business. Right. And you got yourself a business coach. I have heard those stories over and over again. And we've done academies on this. It's just great to hear an unsolicited, um, solution that you brought up john for the reason to to hire a business coach and and maybe just maybe the people that are going to listen to this that are either you know commuting or whatever they'll listen to it in a year they're going to go back and say you know what uh we, we got to do this and when people you know the, the story is is can you afford a business coach <laughs> and, you, and just like you said at the beginning john you can't afford not to guys we need to talk about the components and how we actually create and make up break even. John, I want to bring up that beautiful chart that you sent us. I'm going to share a screen that I have up. And uh, if you all can see it, tell me that you can see it. John Francis, please walk us through this. The the key, and this is not my sheet. It's a sheet that I uh, borrowed from another coach. The components that you really need to have are, first of all, uh, your total gross profit. Uh, you can use year to date. You can use month to date. Uh, I like to, when I'm doing demos with clients, to work with month to date because as you change these numbers, it's easy to play with and say, look, guys, you're at 52.3 total gross profit. Let's put it up to 60 Farm, you want to change that to 60? No, I don't. I actually don't have the Excel. This is just a picture. Okay. Okay. So if you were to change that to 60, uh, it would really lower your monthly break-even number. And I think that's an important, very important component of this and for people to have to understand when they're, when they're working on incre- improving labor rates and improving margins. The higher the gross profit of the company, the lower the break-even, and that's important to know. It's it's unbelievable, and I first learned this many years ago. And the other thing that's, I mean, we, we first thing I do at the beginning of the year, this might sound a little childish or whatever, but I count how many work days are for every month. So I know that January's got 22, February's got 20, 
And uh, right now, April was 21, May is 21, and uh, December is 19. So you, you can't expect to do the same numbers or if you're trying to compare one month to the next and the other month's got three less days or three more days, it really affects it. So having these numbers in there and, and say pushing for two more percent total gross profit, what's that going to do? It's, it's a huge uh, tool. Well, obviously, John, it goes to the bottom line. It just yeah. kind of falls to the bottom line as long as your expenses are the same. But it also shows the value in the comp- as a component of a break-even calculation. The higher it is, the lower your daily nut. Right. 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 It goes from, like, let's say you had $20,000 in, uh, in fixed expenses. At 50% gross profit, my break-even would be forty grand. If I get a sixty percent gross profit, it drops to thirty three thousand. Yeah. yeah, so it's a seven thousand dollar drop for the month by just having better gross profit retention. Great. Uh, let's talk about the monthly depreciation. And um, John, I know it's in there, and uh, it's in there because it's a non cash expense, and we 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 actually want to take it out. Am I right? Right. And, and and this is something that some clients use. It, it all depends on what your accountant wants. You get this number from your accountant uh, and he would tell you to include it or not. The monthly principal is, you know, you have a wheel line machine, you bought a new car, you have a loaner car fleet that they're all new cars and you have payments on them. They need to be in there. Or if you don't have any payments, which would be really nice, uh, it, it stays blank. It's a very simple calculation, a very simple formula. I'm going to stop sharing my screen now. Uh, the only other thing I would mention that, John, that's an excellent uh, spreadsheet. The, if um, the shop is a DBA or LLC where the owner's taking a draw, right. then he should add that into the expense amount, the amount that he needs to pay himself. Right. That's a great point. John, would you be uh, willing to share that uh, uh, spreadsheet? Sure. And here's how you're going to get it. We'll add that to a download off of the show notes page. So next Wednesday when this show does get published and you go to the show notes page, you'll be able to uh, just click a download button and I'll I'll have it there for for everyone to get. Thank you. Thank you so much on that. So there's the components of, of break even. You know, break even is not the answer to a profitable company, but it is a component, guys, on your trek toward a double-digit net operating income because it really tests on a daily basis how well you're doing. Carm, can I say something about the about the fixed expenses? Yes, um, John will verify this because we go over. He he's really really great at at sending me uh, the fixed expenses every month along with the end of the month totals. So he's on top of things. And then we look them over. And uh, if something's on that sheet that's not supposed to be on there, like the wife's car got painted and I see an invoice for a body shop, doesn't belong on fixed expenses. Your fixed expenses are what it costs you to turn the key in the morning, open the door, turn the lights on, pay the rent, pay the heat, those kind of things. They're not the ones, they're the ones above the line, not below the line. Very good point. I'm with Ron Haugen of Westside Auto Pros. Hey, Ron, why purchase a Jasper engine for your customer's car? Uh, the, the main reason we use Jasper is is they're known for quality, and we're known for quality. They line up with my company and my, and my company's commitment to our customers uh, you know, as a product. They're committed to me. 
Hey, Ron, are customers investing in their vehicle today? Absolutely. You know, we, we see the surveys from, from AAA and, and, and all the different people out there where the average age of a car on the road is 11 years old. Some are even saying 12 now. Uh, when you think about that, for every new car sold, that means there's a 22-year-old car being driven on a daily basis. To me, that's amazing. Uh, the only way we get an average age of a vehicle on the road like that is because people are reinvesting in a car. And, and I think the reason they're reinvesting in a car is, is the cost of a car. I mean, cars are thirty, forty, fifty, sixty thousand dollars. You know, why not drop four, five, six, eight thousand dollars into repowering the vehicle and get it back on the road? Hey, Ron, thanks for your insights on Jasper. Thanks for asking. Rick. Yes, sir. John was just talking about expenses, and, you know, expense creep is something that um, hurts everybody. Am I right? Yeah, you know, I have Rick's rules, and one of Rick's rules is if you don't watch your expenses, they're going to grow. It seems you get busier, you just start spending more money. So you got to really watch the expense creep, but you also have to watch your margin. You have to watch the gross profit because you could have the sales, you know, your break-even number is a great number to watch, but you got to be careful. You could have, let's say you have a diesel engine you're putting in this week. It's going to make it look like you're, you've hit your break-even, but the margins are so low on that engine that it's not going to be the same. So it's a good indicator. And John, one of the things I like to do with the break-even is I like to break it down to build hours per day. If you understand what their average revenue per build hour is, and you know what the break-even is, you can tell them how many hours they need a day. And that tends to work really well. And it's a simple number to follow. So that's, I, I, I firmly believe that the most important number in any shop is the build hours. When I, when I build a sales goal, it's based off build hours potential. We have the break even, which is, you know, this is, this is, let's think of it as a football field, right? Here's, here's the safety. This is when I get hurt. This is my break even. And then I got my touchdown. That's my sales goal. So I'm operating within here striving to get a touchdown. But I want to keep it as simple as I possibly can when I'm sharing it with my people. Now, the build hours tends to help a little bit with the ups and downs of the different kinds of work you do. It's not an exact science, just like break-even isn't, but it's something to think about. Good stuff. Uh, sales goals. You know, here we are talking about break-even. That's what the show is all about. Uh, I think we've actually nailed it. Frankly, you know, we could probably end right now, but um, I want to go into sales goals. Can anyone here share with me any strategy behind setting that sales goal that will actually produce the kind of net operating profit we're looking for? Absolutely. Look at your people. Look at your facility right now. And look what the potential of build hours is. Let's say I have three A techs. Now, John and John, I don't know about you, but an A tech, 10 to 12 a day with the front counter running right and communication the way it should be, I think is very doable. So if I look at it that way there, then my potential is 30 hours to 36 hours a day in labor uh, build hours. That's how I set my sales goal. 
Because what happens too many times when we set goals is we let restraint or constraints set the goal for us. In other words, I've got a tech that can't build more than five hours a day. Well, that's, that's, that's an issue. You've got to either up the tech or out the tech, right? Get him so that he's growing or he's going. Um, if you don't have car count, that's great. Let's talk about getting more car count. If we're not getting the hours per repair order, great. Let's sit down and talk about what we need to do to get the hours per repair order. But ultimately, you want to look at your potential labor inventory. That's what you set your goal to is to your potential. Don't let, I don't have enough cars. doesn't make a difference how many cars you have. What do you have for potential in the building? Then what do we need to do to grow to that potential? Because it creates a guide, a roadmap for us. John and John, sales goals, how do you guys uh, look at them to calculate that? I look at them in a little different way, but I look at the shop's past history, how many people uh, are in the shop, what we plan on growing for next year. And I have a couple guys that are bumping up against, you know, in order for us to do the goals we want to do in 2018, we're going to need more people. So we plan the goal first and then we, we realize, okay, we're going to need another service rater and another tech. And I have one diesel shop and I've done the math with him as far as how many hours that diesel shop can do with one tech and the parts in a diesel shop is, is a different role, a different business model, but that could be $350,000 in sales with one guy. So that's, you have to have the people in order to do the goals. You can't just set the goals. You have to figure out what equipment, what kind of, uh, do you need more space? Do you need more people to do those goals? Uh, that's what we do at the end of the year. Usually in November, we started planning for, like we try to plan three years ahead. Interesting uh, to talk about, say, the, the, the 2018, 2019, whatever goals you're going to set for sales goals, three, four, five, six percent. Again, it's all conditional based on the business, based on the people, uh, based on, you know, history. John Cooper, did you say earlier that it's you and John who actually work on that sales goal together? How, how involved were you in setting your sales goal this year? Very involved with it. I, I believe we have three or four meetings. We probably spent a month on him setting goals for the for this year. And so far, you know, we're right on track with it. The, the, something I want to say to Rick, you know, I, I agree with what you're saying, but if you don't have the three A techs out there to back you up, then it's hard to make your sales at that point. If you have a, a B class tech that's only made, you know, bringing you in seven hours a day and you're paying them eight, you know, you gotta, you gotta figure out other ways as well because it, it's, this is a big problem we're having within the ind- industry itself, you know, is getting good techs in the building, period. If, if your tech isn't living up to the, the 10, 12 hours a day, there's other ways to go about that to get your sales numbers. There's right. different, there's other options out there besides throwing everything on to build hours. Right. Well, the build hours, you're going to look at what your potential is. I use three A techs as an example, mm-hmm. but you might have an A tech, a B tech, and a C tech. That's still mm-hmm. your potential. Correct. Right. Mm-hmm. So Correct. now it's 20 hours a day instead of 30 or 36. Mm-hmm. So it depends upon what you have in the building. But the other thing is, I think that like my goal when I hired a tech, if he was a B tech, 
my goal was to make him an A tech. So I worked very aggressively. And it might, when I hired my guys, I made it very clear. I'm not hiring you for what you can do today. I'm hiring you for who I believe you can become tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And I think that's important to set that standard at the beginning for growth. That's what you're doing with John um, as an yeah. owner. That's what we need from our people. We need to see them grow. And we, we've got to have that culture. You know, the thing is, I see so many shops that are so underperforming, you know, and Carm, you said four, five, or 6% growth rate. John, I don't know about you, but a lot of times when I start working with a shop, they're capable of sometimes 30, 40, 50% growth rates very quickly. You know, Michelangelo said something very wise. He said, the danger in setting goals is not setting them too high and missing them. It's setting them too low and hitting them. And I think that's really powerful. We need stretch goals. I've been doing a lot of reading on goals. There's the, the more aggressive a goal is, the, and, and is, uh, uh, the more power it gives us uh, to drive us forward. The other thing you asked, you know, was it his goal? John, I hope you'll agree. As a business coach, it can't be my goal. Right. No, it is. Because yeah. they'll never do it. It's got to be their goal. Oh, it is our goal. We're the ones to set the numbers. Absolutely. And we push. We'll you know, prod. Mm-hmm. We'll tickle. Mm-hmm. Right? Right. On, but, on, on goals, Rick, our philosophy is if if you're hitting goals at least 60% at a time, we've got it. Too low. Well, if you're 80%, you're too low. 60%. People have to hit goals. They have to yes. be able to hit goals on, you know, a Sixty percent is a is a good number. If they get too low, they they give up, right? You no, know? and if they hit the goals too often, it's too low. But I want to say one other thing, Carm, about expenses and expense creep. Before I forget it, I recommend that we do break evens two to three times a year because that the rate. Mitch Snyder said this many, many, many years ago, and I'll never forget it. Our expenses in this industry tend to go up way quicker than we could even get a hold of them and realize that we need to make adjustments on labor rate. Uh, and our labor rates are kind of a, we don't even talk about them too much. The big number we focus on is the effective labor rate, mm-hmm. what you're actually getting for that dollar. Your door rate could be a hundred bucks an hour and you're getting $112 effective labor rate. You're doing a good job. Your door rates a hundred dollars an hour and you're getting $65 an hour. That's a problem. Right. Uh, but that's two statements. But you need to watch your expenses. Watch if the oil's going up. Just don't enter the inventory. Watch the prices because before you know it, your break even number is higher and you don't realize it. Right. And that's the same thing with mar- your gross profit. Right. You know, your right. gross profit, like with the oil, your oil costs go up. You don't change the pricing, your margin drops, and now your break even goes up. Yeah, Those incremental tiny little drops, Rick, you know, well, okay, my oil's a dime more a quarter, you know, so much more a gallon, and you don't make an adjustment to your sale. All of those little tiny, you know, we can call it creep. We can call it cost of goods creep. We can call it gross margin creep, uh, loss of creep and expense creep. Uh, great points. This really all has to do with break-even. I appreciate that. Let's go back to some components of the sales goal. And you're right about a double-digit great stretch goal. But uh, is is average repair order a, a component of uh, a big sales number? Oh, of course, average RO is, is important. Um, 
one of the things I look at is how many ROs are they working on and what's their average RO? And I can almost tell with looking at the, the documents that we use on a weekly basis. We go over these numbers intensely every week, right, John? Yes, we do. Mm-hmm. And I can tell if, if we're not doing vehicle inspections because our RO counts up and our average RO is down. Mm-hmm. So we got to get the, the proper speed in the shop so we can do inspections 100% at a time and inform the customers on what they need. If you've got a high RO count, you're going to have a low average RO. If you've got a low RO count, chances are the average RO is going to be a lot higher. You want to work on less cars and make more on each car. I agree. Let's go back to expense creep. Uh, you're so right, and, and Mitch was so right about that. Um, what are areas, guys, as a team that we can help our um, listener understand components of expense creep that we really need to pay attention to? Advertising. Discounts. Sometimes our sales go up, but we're giving away the store to do it, right? Fuel costs, energy costs. Yeah, uh, you may have a uh, a new. You may you 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 may lease. You may have a, a lease increase, and you don't do anything about it. I mean, again, it goes back to setting labor rate. I mean, you've got health to be able. To, yeah, I was going to say our health yeah. insurance is, yeah. is is a creeper there. They seem to know every year that it's time for an increase. Isn't it something? Yeah, and you can guarantee that going up. The the ones that they don't tell you about are the guys picking up the uh, the waste oil filters, the guys picking up the waste tires, the people that you don't pay that much attention to, like the guy dropping oil off. You don't look at that invoice until it comes in in the mail, which might be a week after he dropped the oil off. But you need to look at that invoice to see if that oil went up. And if it only went up a couple cents, if you don't raise the price... Before you know it, you're going to be losing a dime a gallon. Yeah, and the other thing is part shrinkage. If you're buying parts, but they're not getting on the par- cars and they're not going back, that's mm-hmm. something. Yeah. And the other thing is your supplies. Making sure that oh. you're calculating for your supplies and knowing that you are profitable with your supplies. It amazes me how many people aren't. I saw something recently that uh, there, you know, guys are going away from the... Uh, from the line item for shop supplies on the ticket and just adding a certain percent to their labor rate. Which is okay. Yeah. What do you guys hear? What, John, what's going on in your end of the world? It's a 7% shop supply on every invoice. On the invoice. On the invoice itself, correct. Uh, and, and you're right. You got to watch it. Uh, the price of supplies, the price of oils. Uh, you know, there's different things, but it, and I'm really worried about, you know, certain things it, like our health insurance is going up next month. Uh, they already told me, so I got to get ready for that. Anytime I order oil, I find out what the price is it then, you know, what am I paying? So then I could make, make my adjustments yeah. as I go because the, the creeps will, will it, it kill you in time if you don't watch your I, I watch my numbers every single day I do my break even point every single month I prepare myself for what's coming next month for how many days I got and I watch my expenses go with it so I kind of run everything hand in hand but as far as shop supply it's it's spilled out as shop supply yeah I, I want to get into that a little bit both for John and Rick um, shop supplies if it comes in from a supplier, isn't that going to cost of goods? And isn't doesn't it have everything to do with the gross profit margin? Or are people putting it into the expense line? 
you'd be amazed and with the files that I've seen, you'd be amazed where it ends up. Um, sometimes it goes in as inventory, which, you know, or that goes directly to cost of goods. Sometimes it's a line item expense. They don't have any cost of goods accounts. The, the big thing is knowing what your costs are. Even there are some states you can't charge supplies. New York and California, you're not allowed to charge shop supplies. You can charge for kits, but you've got to document the kit. And it's okay. I don't care how you do it with a kit, a shop supply, or an additional labor, you know, a bump on your labor. But know what that bump is and then compare the income from that bump to the cost to make sure you got the right spread. Right, right. Big question about shop supplies and, and shop supplies and subscription services to tool updates and having the alignment machine upgraded with 2018 specifications. I calculated that number last year and it was over $5,000. You know, where does that get charged out? You know, and I'm pondering that. So where where does it go? Let's let's look at it, John. Where do you put it on the PL, Rick? Where do you recommend it? And and John Cooper, where where does it show up on your PL? On uh, my PL, it shows up as subcon uh, subcontracting. But uh, John and I talked about it, and we're going to make the switch on that, and it's going to go in uh, subscriptions and fees. Okay, down in the expense side. Okay, yeah, right. Well, we need a way to get that back from the customers. Right. Uh, so you, you raise your, how many alignments a year do you do? Divide it by that and raise your, you got to raise your alignment. I'm in the process of doing that with check engine light codes on the, on the uh, uh, software mm -hmm. because I can tell how many check engine lights I did during the year. And that's where the majority of the cost is. Uh, the wheel alignment's like 450 bucks a year, but talk about the shop, uh, the, the gloves the guys wear. We're required to provide gloves for these techs. And who pays for those? Who pays for the earplugs? Who pays for the eye protection? All those things are all part of expenses that aren't on invoices. And uh, you, you can't just let everything fall into one pile unless you know for sure that you're, you're on the right side of that pile of money. You know what I mean? If, if, as long as you collect enough to offset that price, that's fine. And no matter how you get it, it doesn't make a lot of difference to me uh, as long as it's legal. I love the discussion. We started out talking break even. This is all very extremely relevant topics and subjects. And uh, it prompts me to ask a question, John Cooper. Hmm. Um, you're the numbers guy in the business, right? Yes, I am. All right. So every time uh, an expense come, a bill comes in and you slice it open with a letter opener or you get the email, that, that e-invoice, you spend time really scrutinizing it? Yes, I do. Mm -hmm. Yes, I do. I, 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 even, even the phone bill, I will go down it and I will itemize it and I will justify it. If I can't justify it, then I'm on the phone with them finding out what's going on with it. That's just the way I am. And everyone should be built like that. Well, another thing, if, uh, again, if I ordered oil and, and uh, they, they tell me on the phone, uh, I'll be paying $1.50 a quart, and, uh, and I get my invoice, and, I've, and I do the math on it, I found out I paid $1.75. I'm on the phone. I want my adjustment. Exactly. So 
Yeah, scrutinizing expenses is so critical, and you know that that gets into the Rick um, uh, working on your business, not in it. Uh, so many times we just throw all the uh, the envelopes in a pile, and it's bill paying day, and we slice them open, and we just write checks or we do our online banking, and it uh, and it just and we were just so busy, and it it goes it goes on and on and on, and those are little tiny incremental leadership management tactics that have to happen, and. Thank you for sharing that. Any other great stories about expense control, John? Uh, no, that's about it. How about you, John Francis? It's just so important, and it's I, you know, kind of make sure that my guys know what they are and where they are, and at all times. Uh, a long time, uh, I used to ask my accountant if I had the same accountant for uh, we're starting our fortieth year next year, and he used to, you know, do some stuff on a calculator, and he says, "Well, it's this." I says, well, how'd you do that? Well, I just do this. Never had a formula. But now with the spreadsheet, uh, I've had that for a while and, and we use it all the time. That gives you the power to make adjustments and gives you the power to raise your total gross profit, whether it's labor gross profit or parts gross profit, but the total gross profit is what we're after. And, and you realize you're in the present of what's going on, not, not historical data. Rick, any uh, any great wise words on expense control that you could share? Just watch it. You got to be so careful. It's very easy to get into an activity mindset where it's pay to bills, pay to bills, pay to bills. That's not really what it's about. It's about making sure you're paying what you bought, you know, for what you bought. It's making sure that you didn't get charged twice for something. It's it's being an owner and having that fiduciary responsibility to your business to make sure we're dealing with human beings and people make mistakes. We've got to be able to catch them credits that don't come through um, and different things like that. Or it's just so important to just not get into this funnel mindset, you know, where you got the blinders on and it's pay, 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 pay. And then all of a sudden you're pissed because four months later you find out while well, this guy did this and you know, it was an honest mistake. He's screwing. And it's not that way. You bring up such a great point. Uh, defective, uh, alleged defective credits, core credits, all of that. Uh, n- new returns. Uh, it's big today to, to to follow through on all of that, and that's not an expense piece as much. But making sure that you're you're not going to be cash poor because you're not you're not following through on all of that. Great point. Connor, if I give you one quick story, just an example. I had, let's say, I I, I went to my regular supply, supplier and I needed an axle. I remember this happening. It was two axles I needed. They didn't have them, so they went and picked them up for me. Now, because they went and picked them up, they tacked on a little bit to it. I think it was 20, 20 bucks more or whatever it is. That's fine. But what happened was they were the wrong ones. So when I returned them for credit, they gave me the credit as if they had them in stock. They didn't give me the credit for what I purchased them for. They gave me the credit for what the machine says they were worth. And if I wasn't sitting there and reviewing my invoices, I would have been out $40 just in that one instance. A lot of good suppliers will be able to actually recall that invoice and give you the credit for exactly what you paid, but you still have to pay attention. You're absolutely right. Thank you for that. Great, great pointer. Well, look, at it's been it's been a great panel, uh, but I, I got a question that came in from Gary Keys, and it was question John, and I think this goes to John Cooper. Do you cap that 7% at a certain max number? Yes, there is a cap. 
because, you know, you can't justify 7% on a $3,000 ticket. You know, once I hit about, it's actually it's forty two ninety nine okay. is where I cap it. Okay. But until then, it's 7%. Got it. Gary says, we bill all supplies as a part, brake clean, brake fluid, electrical connectors, all have part numbers and get, get billed out separately. That's, that's also not a bad idea. Okay, guys. Um, hey, this was great. Break even. Know your daily nut. And the thing I loved about where this went near the end, guys, is that we talked about expenses. And when you look at that break even number, boy, that's a big component of it. Gross profit margin and expenses. And uh, so thank you all so much for, for being here and, and sharing your wisdom on, uh, on a great town hall. Know your break even, your daily nut. Have a great weekend, guys. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being on board to listen and learn from the premier automotive aftermarket podcast. Until next time.